Well, good morning. Good morning to those of you who are here in the sanctuary, we few who have gathered here. Good morning to all you who are uh, worshiping with us by Facebook this morning. God is here. Worship team, thank you for that music. How great is our God. How great is our God, and I'm so thankful that he has made himself known to us and invited us to worship him. Mary, thank you for that beautiful prayer that lifted our hearts and our minds to the one who hears us, who knows us, before we even say a word. Well, here we are in the new year, 2022. Do you ever think we'd get this far? Have you made some resolutions? Maybe even broken them already? <laughs> Been there, done that. Well, let me invite you to join me in thinking about resolutions in a slightly different way. Instead of asking ourselves what we want to be different about our lives in 2022, what if we were to ask, what does God want to be different about our lives in 2022? Because incredible as it may seem, God wants to make himself known through me, through you, through you, and through us. In other words, we, the body of believers who worship together right here at Community Chapel in Nashua, New Hampshire, whether live and in person, as we much prefer, or today via Facebook. Wow. Challenging? You bet. Scary? Yeah. Impossible? God said we're to do it, so it can't be impossible. Let's think about it together. In today's world, there's much talk about spirituality. Most people still say they believe in a God of some kind, but there are many different ideas about who God is and what he or she is like. <laughs> Even among those of the Judeo-Christian tradition, there is the all-loving grandfatherly God, the Santa Claus God, the indifferent and unknowable God, the harsh, judgmental God who must be appeased, and the list goes on. How is anyone to know who God really is? Some of you, if you're old enough, may remember the old TV show to tell the truth. It's one that I used to watch. It was a panel show in which the three guests all professed to be a certain person with a notable or unusual occupation. The panelists asked questions of the guests, addressing them as so-and-so number one, number two, or number three. And then, after their questions, they had to guess which one was the real person. And after they'd made their, their uh, choices, the host would say, 
Will the real John Smith or Jane Doe or whoever please stand up? Well, in our day, there are so many gods and ideas about God and what he is like that we might easily say, will the real God please stand up? Well, if we really want to know God, want to know who he really is and what he is really like, we have to go to the source. So let's do that this morning. Let's uh, read from the scriptures, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 and verses 14 to 18. Very familiar to most of us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skipping down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, that is John the Baptist, testified concerning him, he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. The King James called that grace upon grace. God's grace poured out time and time again. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Well, God has made him known. He's made himself known through his son, Jesus Christ. And we are called to follow in his footsteps and represent God to the people around us. Wow. That's an amazing, almost frightening challenge, isn't it? But God does not call us to do anything that he does not equip us to do. So let's take a look at a little more in depth. From the time of the fall onward, people have sought to worship gods other than the God who created them. And ever since mankind turned away from him, 
God has been at work to draw people back to himself. God has revealed himself, first of all, through his creation. The psalmist wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And writing to the Romans, Paul said, For the, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In spite of that, people of our day look to the creation, the earth, the heavens, the universe beyond. And what do they say? Ah, it all just happened. (laughs) It all just happened. God says differently. The earth, the heavens, creation, reveal who he is. But then God also chose to reveal himself through his people. His chosen people, the Israelites, were to be his special people, people that he would bless, and in turn they would be a, excuse me, a light to the nations around them. God would bless them. The nations would see, and they would turn to the God of Israel. But as we know, Israel failed. Time and time again, failed miserably. So then, God sent his son into the world. Now, Jesus came so that to pay the price for our sins, to make a way for us to God. But by his life, the life that he lived, because he lived as a man, as a human being, he was God in the flesh. He was human in every way. And by the life he lived as a man, as a human being, he showed us what God is like. John, the words we've just read, John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we have received from the fullness of that grace. He goes on to say, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made himself known. Jesus came to show us what God is like. So if we want to know what God is like, Where do we look? We look at Jesus. We look at his life. We read the Gospels. What did Jesus do? What did he say? This is what God is like. You know, I hear a lot of people say either they don't believe in God or they can't believe in a God who would fill in the blank. I don't think... I have ever heard anyone say they thought Jesus was disappointing. I've never heard anybody say 
well, I find fault with Jesus. They, not, they may not believe that he's the Son of God, but they don't find fault with him. Because Jesus showed us who, in truth, God is. But you know, Jesus, after his work on the cross was done, he had some final meetings with his followers, and then he went back to heaven, and he left them here. And among his last words to them were that they were to finish his work. (laughs) Wow. So that's how we get to us. Because when Jesus gave instructions to his disciples, and when he prayed for them, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. The Holy Spirit would teach them, remind them of the things that he had said, He would lead them into all truth. He would empower them. And the Holy Spirit just did just that. But when Jesus was praying for those disciples, he specifically said, I'm not praying for these alone, not just these few, but for all who will believe in my name through them. Friends, that means... Me. It means you and you. It means all of us who have come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. So I want to focus in on two aspects of Jesus' life. There are many ways in which Jesus represented God. But I want to zero in on just two. Grace and truth. What does it mean that Jesus was full of grace and truth? And if we are to be like him, what does it mean that we are to live lives of grace and truth? Well, a number of years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. And if you haven't read it or haven't read it lately, I strongly suggest you go back and find it and read it again. It's really a marvelous book where he talks about grace and what it really is and what it looks like in the lives of people, everyday people. And he says this about the word grace. He calls it the last best word. And by that that he means that its meaning hasn't been diluted. It hasn't been misused. You know, we talk about God being love and love being the highest expression of God and Jesus' love, Jesus for us. But love is a word that's been diluted and misused and abused until if you were to say the word love, however many people were you were speaking to would each have a different idea about what you were speaking. But when we say grace, we have some idea of what that means. 
It means receiving what we don't deserve, doesn't it? The formal definition is usually the unmerited favor of God. And this is the picture the Gospels present of God. This is the picture that Jesus presented of God in his life and in his ministry. Jesus didn't come and immediately seek out those who were in power, the the people that counted in that day. Who did he go to? He went to the poor and the outcast and the sick. Those who were simply almost non-persons in the eyes of the elite. Those who believed they were teaching God's word and following his word. They really didn't understand God at all. And Jesus said, listen, God is the one who calls little children to sit on his knee. God is the one who pays attention to women who have no, had no power in that day, had no standing. It was only men who had the standing. Grace. Jesus exemplified grace in everything that he did. Truth. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he said that he was the truth. And Pilate responded, what is truth? Well, that's what people are saying today, isn't it? In, in, for most people today, there is no such thing as the truth, that truth that we can count on that is always true. Truth is only relative to what we think, how we view the world. But Jesus said that he is the truth and that to live as he lives is to live out a life of grace and truth. Well, how do we do it? As I said before, it's a scary thought. I know I can't do it. I've been in this way a lot of years. From earliest childhood, my desire has to be a Christian, to be like Jesus. Do you remember the song we used to sing? My desire to be like Jesus. My desire to be like him. They were singing that when I was a teenager. It's a long time ago. And I took it very seriously. But here I am now. Almost 70 years later. Have I arrived? Have I accomplished it? Afraid not. God's still working on me. He's still showing me what it means to be like him. So let me share just a few truths about how we go about living this Christ life, this life of grace and truth. First of all, living a life of grace and truth begins in the heart. Simply put, we cannot live the Christ life in our own strength. 
we will fail just as surely as the Israelites of old failed. Knowing what to do is not enough. If it were, they would have succeeded, would they not? Our fallen nature will trip us up every time. God saw this, and so he made this promise. He made it to Jeremiah and to his people through the prophet. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and inscribe it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Only after God writes his law on our hearts can we truly be his people. Paul emphasized this in his writings when he said, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Friends, God's got to change us on the inside. Make us, give us a heart that wants more than anything to follow him. Only then can we even begin to live out his presence as grace and truth. Secondly, living a life of, life of grace and truth proceeds from an intimate, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus himself set the example in this. Before he began his ministry, he went out into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. Forty days and forty nights he fasted and sought the Lord, and overcame the temptations of Satan. Throughout his ministry, he set the pattern in prayer, often going aside, leaving his disciples, leaving the crowds, and going off to prayer, to pray and spend time with his Father. And he said over and over again, I don't speak. What I want to speak, I speak only the words I hear from my Father. And of the works that he did, he said, I don't do works of my own. I do only the works that I see my Father doing. Friends, how do we live like Jesus? We stay in close relationship with him. Jesus himself said it. Remain in me as I remain in you, for no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes on to say, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do we need confirmation 
that God's will for us is to carry on the mission of Christ in the world? There it is, from the mouth of Jesus himself. We have to stay close to Jesus each and every day. Living a life of grace and truth means attitudes, words, and actions that are full of grace and truth. Attitudes. Oh boy, how important are our, our attitudes. The Old Testament psalmist said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, or so is he. What we think, what our attitude is, issues shows itself in our actions and our words. So first of all, we have to get our attitudes right. And when we think of attitudes, my mind at least goes right to Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on with that beautiful hymn about Christ, who was God, a very God, and humbled himself and took on the form of a servant being found in appearance as a man, living as we live. He took on the limitations of human flesh. Yes, attitudes count. We need to think the best about others, not the worst. We need to attribute the best motives to another's actions. Our attitudes count because our attitudes lead to action. Words. Speaking the truth in love. Jesus warned, warned about us our, our words. James famously warned about our words. Words once spoken cannot be taken back. Some of you may remember Kurt Fleming, who was our youth pastor here at one time. A few years ago, we had him come to children's camp as the speaker. And I vividly remember this illustration, object lesson he did with the kids. He called up two volunteers, and you know, at kids' camp, everybody wants to volunteer. And he selected two. I think they were both the little boys. And he gave them each a tube of toothpaste. And he said, all right, squeeze out all the toothpaste. So they busily got to work, and they squeezed out all the toothpaste. And then he said, okay, now put it back in. <laughs> Don't you know they tried? <laughs> but you see, his point was that toothpaste squeezed out of a tube are like words spoken out of our mouths. Once they're out, we can't get them back no matter how much we wish we could. So how important is it that we speak only words of grace and truth? 
words that heal, words that encourage, words that upbuild, words that speak grace into the lives of others. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Conversation full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we will know how to answer everyone. Well, grace and truth also show up in our actions. We cannot divorce our actions, the way we live, from what we profess to believe. Because the people around us are going to believe our lives before they believe the words that we say. This is especially true in our own homes, isn't it? Our children, oh boy, they see us as we are. Our neighbors, our spouses, our in-laws, the people we work with every day. How important it is that our actions reflect the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Well, what might some of these actions look like? I think of a friend of mine, if I said her name, some of you would probably know her. This happened a number of years ago. But she was living in a condo here in Nashua, and she had new neighbors move in next door. And they played very loud music. And it was coming through to her side of the wall. And it caused her some distress. So she tried nicely, kindly, to ask them, could they please turn down their music? To no effect. In fact, if anything, at least to her mind and ears, it seemed to get louder. Well, some of us in that situation would be inclined to fight back. All right, if they're going to play music loud, I'm going to put my music on even louder. Let them listen to what I like. No. My friend prayed about it. She gave it to the Lord, and she said, Lord, help me to know what to do. You know what she did? She baked some cookies. She made up a plate. She left them outside the door of their, her neighbor with a little note that said, here, I hope you'll enjoy these cookies. I made them myself. And I would appreciate it very much if you could turn your music down just a little. You know what happened? music got turned down. She was no longer bothered by the noise coming from next door. Her actions were actions of grace 
and truth, speaking the truth, seasoned with salt, sweetened with cookies, chocolate chip, or whatever they were. There are many other examples that I could give. But suffice it to say that if we will ask God to show us how to live, how to interact in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, he will lead us. He will lead us. Sometimes in ways that we don't expect or ways that we find frightening. That's the way it has been for me, at least. By nature, I'm rather a timid person, (laughs) to say the least. And talking to people that I don't know can be very scary for me. There was a day when I spent a whole afternoon making an apple pie to take to a new neighbor. I'd met her once before. Her child was in my child's kindergarten class. I'd said hello. I knew she was friendly. Oh, maybe they don't like apple pie. Maybe this won't be a good time to go over. Maybe she's busy. Somehow, just before supper time, I got myself across the road with that apple pie. Do you know what? A wonderful friendship ensued. But it was not easy. It went against everything that was in me. Another time when I was working outside the home, uh, an electronics company, God spoke to me very clearly one morning and said, go over and talk to so-and-so. I can't even remember her name now. I'll call her Lorraine. I, (laughs) I knew who she was. I knew her to say hello to, but I didn't really know her. Let me tell you, my knees literally turned to water. I felt weak in the knees because I knew for sure that this was God speaking. And like I said, I'm very timid about talking to people when I don't know them or I don't know what their reactions would be. But I went. That time, I went. I wish I could tell you that every time I followed God's leading. But that time, I did. I have no idea what was going on in this woman's life. But when I began to speak to her and tell her that God had told me to come and speak to her, she began to cry. I don't remember what I said to her. Hopefully words that encouraged. At the end of the day, she came by my desk and she said, you know, you caught me at a bad time this morning. (laughs) I do not know what God did in that woman's life because I spoke to her. I only know that she recognized God speaking to her. I could tell you lots of stories about times that I failed. But my goal is always to hear his voice and always to listen and follow through. Well, what other actions? 
living lives of grace and truth means honoring others before ourselves. It means putting others' interests before our own. It means loving our neighbor as ourselves. It means following in the 20th century, 21st, is this the 23rd century now? Whatever it is, (laughs) wherever we are in history. In the context of today, it means living out the Sermon on the Mount. Not easy to do, is it? No, but this is what Jesus calls us to do. Well, friends, it's clear from Scripture that God's plan for revealing himself to the world in this age is the church, me, you, all of us together. And I don't know about you, but I find it overwhelming because as already said, I'm all too aware of the many ways I fall short. But then I hear Jesus whisper in my ear, don't worry, I am with you. Just follow my lead. It won't, doesn't mean he won't lead me into some difficult places or that I will sail through life with ease. He may lead you, he may lead me along some rocky paths where we have to hold on to him for dear life. He may lead us through some dark places where the only thing we can see ahead is his light. We don't know what's going to happen. But if we follow him who is the light, he'll lead us. That's all we really need to see is the part of the path that he is lightening for us at this point. As I step out on faith, as you step out on faith, as we together step out on faith, as we are following his lead, others will see, not me, Not you, perhaps not even us as a church, but they will see God, a God who knows and loves them, a God who knows all about them and pours out grace upon grace upon grace, a God of truth who shines his light into our lives and into the world and reveals every diabolical lie that keeps men and women, young and old, from seeing the truth about him and about ourselves. Well, I know what God has been saying to me about my life. Some of the things that he wants me to change. Some of the things that I can do differently, do better, so that I, my life will more faithfully reflect his love and grace. What is he saying to you this morning? Are there things you need to spend less time on? Maybe put aside altogether? Are there things that you need to spend more time on? Spend more time alone with Jesus and in the world? Is there a relationship you need to mend? A habit that with God's help you need to change?
Ask him. He will show you. He will show you and you will know that it is God speaking to you. What is he saying to us as a body of believers? Because although God does work through us as individuals, his primary way of working in the world and revealing himself in the world is through us as a body of believers, through his church, through us living life together, living the life of Christ together. This is what Jesus said. He, he told his disciples they were to love one another. And when the world saw the love that they had for one another, they would know that they were his disciples. So how does God want to reveal himself to the people of Nashua and the surrounding communities through us? Pastor Jeff has been asking us for some time to join him and the leadership in seeking the new thing that God wants to do through us. Are we taking his call seriously? Our pastor's call, God's call, to be his church, a place, a community of believers that is full of grace and truth. You know, Pastor Jeff cannot do this on his own, nor can the staff, nor the board, nor any of us as individuals. God can only achieve his purpose through us as we join hands and hearts with one another in seeking God's leading. And then as we live together in community, relating to one another in grace and truth. Are we willing to set aside our own preferences, our own wills, and say yes to the Spirit's leading for the body of Christ here at Community Chapel. My heart says, yes, that's what I want. Lord, show me what to do. And I trust that that is your response also. Would you join with me in prayer? Our Lord and Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for the grace and the truth that you have brought into our lives through our knowledge of Jesus Christ, your Son. Thank you for the grace and truth that you continually reveal to us through your word. How thankful we are for your word. Thank you for the grace and truth that you reveal to us through the lives of our fellow believers. Lord, I'm so thankful to be a part of this particular body of believers. Everywhere I go amongst our people, I see the grace and truth reflected in the lives of my fellow believers. Thank you, Lord, for being at work in us. Now show us what you would have us to be, who you would have us to be, that we may be a beacon of light, a pillar of 
grace and truth spreading throughout Nashua and the communities beyond the places where we live, our very own neighborhoods. Lord, do with us as you will, as you would, in order that your kingdom, your purposes might be accomplished in our world. For we ask it in Jesus' name and to the praise of your glory.